0: Please stand with me in honor of the Word of God as I read from Job 19, verses 23 through 29. Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth and after my skin has been thus destroyed yet in my flesh i shall see god whom i shall see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another my heart faints within me if you say how will how we will pursue him and the root of the matter is found in him be afraid of the sword for wrath Brings the punishment of the sword that you may know there is a judgment. The Word of God for the people of God.
1: Thank you, Shippen. You may be seated. Well, we have some folks out this uh, memorial weekend, but we're glad for each one of you being here uh, this morning. And we hope that you are encouraged to the worship and the fellowship and God's word this morning. We've been reading the book of Job, and we're just about finished with it. And this is a very powerful uh, portion where Job speaks his good faith-filled, hope-filled confession of the resurrection and that, you know, death doesn't have the final word. All the suffering that he's going through doesn't have the final word. You know, God has the final word, and uh, his final word is etched in stone in heaven, in Jesus, in the resurrected Lord. Amen? Amen. So he starts off with uh, Job nineteen twenty three through 24. We read, "'Oh, that my words were written.'" Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Oh, that with an iron pen and lead they were engraved in the rock forever. Little did he know, they were. And they are. And here we are, uh, hundreds and thousands of years later, uh, speaking of the words of Job. They are etched in stone. And what he is saying here is, not just pay attention to all the, the, the book of Job, which is important, it's, it's God's word, but right now he's getting to a point in this book where he's about to say something very important. He's like, what I'm about to say I wish was just etched in stone forever. And he's really putting an emphasis on these following verses of about what he is about to say. So spe- pay special attention to this. This is Job in not in his struggle and his doubt and all of his debates with his friends. This is him in his faith-filled, hope-filled confession. He's just going to say, "This is the core of what I believe. This is the core of how, you know, when people say, you know, I wish I had the patience of Job, I wish I had the endurance, the steadfastness. He's mentioned in James 5:11 to remember the steadfastness of Job, the endurance of Job, the patience of Job, that steadfastness. Anybody want that? Job says in his suffering, and boils all over his body, having left everything, friends against him telling him where he's wrong. All these things, his wife telling him, curse God and die. Seemingly alone, he says, I wished what I'm about to say would be etched in stone forever. And here's what he says For I know. You get down to just the bare essentials. This is what I know I know that my Redeemer lives. Whew. This is what I know and I wish this was etched in stone. And at last, and at the last, he will stand upon the earth. But let's look at that first part. For I know. Just look at I know. Do you know? Or do you just kind of know about? It's like the story of, of people saying, you know, I know. And you can put in your favorite actor. You know, I know them. Yeah, I really like them. I've seen all their movies. You go really? Oh, yeah, and I, uh, I've read all about them. I know the when they were born. You know, I know you know when they were married, when they had kids, what, what they went on in their life. You can read all this stuff and get all this information. Have you ever met them? Have you ever sat down and had coffee with them? Have you ever heard anything from them personally on one-on-one? No, but I but but I know them, and it's because. We think we know because we know a bunch of facts about somebody. But this is much more than, much less than what Job is trying to say here when he says no. He's saying I know experientially, not just that I know about, but I know intimately. And you see in our world a lot of times we think we know. We think we know somebody, but really all we know is just about them. But Job is saying much more when he says, for I know. He's saying that he knows personally and intimately. And see, coming to know God this way is very, very different than a lot of times what this culture uh, presents about knowing God. A lot of times we have movies that present like you can know God through, through this way, through that way, in all different kinds of ways. Even we might like, um, you know, some of the different movies out there. I mean, Star Wars has been a big thing, and what's presented there by a person, by, by a writing, is that God is a, an impersonal force. See, He's not somebody you know and that knows you. He's just this powerful force out there that you can use and learn to train and, and get and do things if you want to become a Jedi and, and learn that Force and believe in it. It's impersonal, though. It's not a personal. It's not anything. What like Job is talking about? I know. In C.S. Lewis, um, one of his quotes, that's a good one. A lot of them are good. He says, "An impersonal God, well and good. A subjective God, of beauty, truth, and goodness inside." our own heads better still but god himself alive pulling at the other end of the cord perhaps approaching at infinite speed the hunter the king the husband that's quite another matter and see this is the god that job's presenting He's presenting, I know this God, and this God knows me. Not impersonal, but a God that is to be revered, respected, reverenced, who is all-powerful and all-knowing God. Not just one that we think is uh, some beautiful idea in our head. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God we need to know. And Job says, I know and then he says, that my. See, before we get to Redeemer, Job is claiming my Redeemer. He's not saying, I know about the Redeemer. Let me tell you about the Redeemer. He says, I want you to know. I want this to be engraved in stone. I know that my. He claims. He, he, he knows. This is that personal, intimate knowing of God. He's my Anytime you speak of your children and you say, my little Johnny, my little Billy, my Billy, that means it's a, it's a term of endearment, infection. And this word means something to Job. He's not just some out there, the Redeemer. He is my Redeemer. This word Redeemer is really deep in the Hebrew. It, it can be the word for kinsman. He is my kinsman. And so a lot of times what we do is we, put that word together and we say our kinsman redeemer. And that's the word kind of translated. It's translated all through the Bible and Leviticus, Deuteronomy. It talks about this kinsman that you're supposed to have, this close relative that if things happen to you, he's supposed to stand up and defend you. Um, even in death, he's supposed to, if you die without children, he's supposed to raise up children into you. All these things, this kinsman redeemer is supposed to do that. And there's a lot of shadow and foretelling of Christ in this kinsman redeemer. And probably one of the most beautiful stories is in Ruth and that word where Boaz is the kinsman. Go, we have a kinsman, go to him and ask, but there is a, another kinsman there and he doesn't want those kinsman rights because it's going to cost him a lot and one of the things it's going to cost him is Ruth, this Moabite woman who's a foreigner. He don't want to inherit her and all her things and issues. So he passes it off to Boaz and Boaz is, is the kinsman redeemer. He's one who comes alongside and he protects Naomi. He gets her back her property and he blesses and blesses and knows them. He becomes their relatives and he takes the Moabite foreign woman and takes her to be his wife and raises up children that bring forth David. Come on, grandparents. Want a David in your future? Be a kinsman. You know, be a redeemer of somebody that stands up for other people in desperate situations and be willing to stand forth and claim them and suffer loss for them because it was costly for Boaz to do that. And this is what Job is saying. I know that my kinsman lives There is one who will stand up for me and he will redeem everything that you see right now that looks lost. He will bring it back. I have somebody like that and I know them and I know my Redeemer lives. He's my kinsman. He will stand up for me. He will fight for me. He will defend me. And no matter what you see with all these eyes and this man full of boils before you that's lost everything that you can degrade and and deem and put in some little box of why he's suffering. I want you to know this. I want this to be engraved in stone. My Redeemer lives and I know him. It's it's real to Job. This is a profession of faith, a confession of faith, and it is hope-filled in a Redeemer. And it's in a Redeemer that lives. He's alive. He's not a dead God. He is alive. And he's alive and well, and he's victorious. The next phrase he says, and he will at last stand upon the earth. That's a... That's a proclamation of victory. And for Job, he's still looking forward to this. He's looking forward to this Redeemer. And he says, one day this Redeemer will come and he will stand. He will stand. That's victorious. It's an image of standing upon the earth. He won't just be in some heavenly image. He'll come. He'll buy here. My kinsman will come down to this earth and he will stand by me. He will redeem everything that is lost. Let me tell you who I know about my kinsman Redeemer. He will stand upon this earth. He is the Lord. And Jesus did. Jesus did come. Is Job saying, let's ponder this, he will stand upon the earth. Jesus did come. The Word. Think of this. The eternal Word of God. Call him the eternal Son of God. That was always the Son of God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We call him the eternal Word of God. The Word became flesh and dwelt amongst. Did he stand upon the earth in a human body, our Redeemer? Oh, yeah, he did. He came. He came in the flesh. And not only did he just come in the flesh like that, he came and he suffered and he died. And when he died, you know, when he stand upon the earth, that word actually literally means in the Hebrew dust. He stood upon the dust. And this brings up the image of Job in that dust. He's dying, he's suffering, and he's going to die. And he's going to corrupt into dust again. To dust you were made and dust you shall return. But you know what our Redeemer did? After third, three days before the body begins to undergo corruption and decay, he rose from the dead and he stood upon this earth victorious over the dust. I will not return to dust. I, I will defeat dust. My Redeemer will stand on the earth. He will stand upon the dust and he will proclaim death defeated. This is a great Memorial Day <laughs> a weekend sermon that just came up in Job. And uh, I mean, I ponder, I mem- memorialize. I remember a lot of times I go down to Roswell, my mo- mother and dad's grave. They died when I was young. And, uh, my brother now, that's just two years older than me, died a couple years ago. He's buried with them. We were able to bury him. He didn't have a family. He never married. We just buried him right there. And I'll go and I'll remember. I'll look, I'll look over. And these words are encouragement, like to me, like death, grave. Where is your victory? Where is your sting? There is a man, my redeemer, my kinsman, who will stand upon this earth and over the dust of these graves and victory upon this earth. And he did. He did. He did. He rose from the grave. He was victorious. The resurrection announces the greatest good news in the world, that death is defeated and we fear it no more. Defeated. The fear, the the slavery of fear to death, he defeated it. Sandy Patty, she sang this song. This is kind of a little old school, but anyway, she sang this song about the resurrection, and she said when Jesus resurrected, she just sings out in her beautiful voice, did the grass sing? Did the earth rejoice to feel you again? Oh, yeah, I did. He he walked again on this earth. He, he was victorious over death. The grass under his feet must have just been singing if you could have heard it. Did the earth rejoice? To, to feel him walking on the earth again, victorious over death like no one was ever victorious over death. you got to realize that this Redeemer that stands, that is alive, that Job says is alive, that my Redeemer lives, is a, is a, is a life eternally. Not just a, a resuscitated Jesus. Not just like Elijah and Elisha resuscitated people back to life and then they died again. But resurrected body, Dust restored to its original purpose and intent of what the body was to be, glorified body, without the decay of sin inside of it, wiped out. A body that the earth rejoiced to feel again and walk again. I get excited about their resurrection because it is the hope of God within me. It is the faith-filled, hope-filled confession of of all of us as believers, we, we rejoice with Job like, yeah, this was Job. I want you to know, Job, these words were etched in stone. They are engraved forever, and I know my Redeemer too, and I know he lives, and I know he stands upon the earth Whew, in victory. John six thirty nine through 40 said, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing And of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. I'll lose nothing, Jesus says. I will lose nothing. I will raise it up. This is a powerful redemption. He's a kinsman redeemer who is going to lose nothing. This is mind-blowing because it looks like we're losing a lot. And it looks like I lose a lot. But he's going to buy it back and redeem it in the end. And here's, here's what he goes on Uh, to say in John there, he says, for this is the will of my Father. You want to know the will of the Father? That everyone who looks on the Son, oh, Job looked on the Son. He saw him. He saw him coming. He saw his Redeemer living. He saw him standing upon the earth. He saw him as his Redeemer. We see him looking back. We see him looking back and seeing what Jesus did and accomplished. But if you see him, if you look upon the Son and you believe in him, Jesus is saying, these are Jesus' words, you should have eternal life and I will raise him up. Not just raise up everything and restore everything. I'll raise him up on the last day. This is, this is in the last. You know, Job 19.25, that last part of that verse. And at the last, he will stand upon the, at the last, he will lose nothing. He will raise every, everything back. He'll bring everything back. Everything you thought you lost, he'll win back. And he will redeem it and he will raise you up. You will not be lost. You, the person you, not just a reincarnated version of you, not some form of Hinduism, not some form of Buddhism, not any form of this, you will endure forever. And the love you have in your heart in Christ Jesus will dwell forever. Love is eternal. It is the thing that will endure forever. That love is you, and that's who you will be, and it will be you, not some version of you. Recognizable, glorified, yes, you Glorified you. This is a promise in the Word of God that blows every other promise of every other religion out of the water. I don't want to be a reincarnated something or other. I want to be who He made me to be. I'm going to have a new name. He's going to give me a new name. So you might not know me as Bobby Barnett, Bobby Robert, Robert Venable Barnett, you know, any of those official names he'd give me. But you'll know me. You'll see me. Hey, that walks, that guy looks, talks, sounds. That's Bobby. That's Gaylord. You know, it's glory. That's you know, people. You'll, you'll know. This is, this is redemption. This is a redeemer who will lose nothing, and that's what Jesus is saying. He is that redeemer. He says, nothing that the Father has given me, I will lose none of it. I'll raise it up on the last day. I'm standing upon the earth, not just as the word, the word of God incarnate. I'm not just standing on the word, walking on it, resurrected, but I am the final word of God in the end, the redeemer that stands upon the earth and the final day and redeems back what is God's, ultimate. Total mind-blowing victory. And Job has some sort of glimpse of it. That's his steadfastness. Get it into you. Because that's the patience of Job. He sees something beyond what he is in in his circumstances, which is the most miserable place of any human being ever to be on this earth. Maybe next to Christ who bore all of the sin of mankind upon the tree. But Job suffered, and in that suffering, scraping boils with a chunk of pottery off of his skin, covered in dust and ashes, worms, eating them out. You know, I mean, I don't know what that felt like, but worse than anything I've ever gone through. And he says, I want you to know something. I want it to be engraved in stone. My Redeemer lives, and I know him. And he, he will stand upon this earth, and he will be victorious over the earth, over dust, Everything. All entropy, everything that's fading away, I'll bring it back. It's glorious good news. Glorious good news. He says, And after my skin has thus been destroyed, okay, that's death, right? You know, you think it looks destroyed now, it's going to be destroyed more. You know, when it's completely destroyed, yet in my flesh, this is that, claiming that bodily resurrection, who I am, Job, me, me, who I am, who God made me to be. I, I shall see for I shall see God. And then he says it like three times. He says, in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. He's like trying to emphasize this. It's me. It's not some form of me. It's not a reincarnated me. It's not all those, but all those things existed in Job's days. All those religions and Baal worship and Ashtaroth and all those things. It's not any much different than today. I don't know how, how different, but there were those things and philosophies, and he says, no, me, I, I shall see for myself, and then he says it again, my eyes shall behold. (sighs) He's going to raise everything up, back. Hope-filled, encouraging, faith-filled resurrection words, I, my eyes shall see and behold, and not another, not another, not a stranger, me, I know him, he knows me, and I will see him. This is, this is eternity. It blows everything away in this temporal life that we may be going through and we may be suffering. This is the steadfastness of Job. He has a vision and an understanding and a knowing of a better place that does blow away anything that this earth and this temporal life may offer you. This is what gave him that endurance. He's saying, destroy this flesh. Destroy this fleshly skin with boils. Destroy it from head to toe. Corrupt it in the grave. Do whatever you want to do. In old age, whatever. I'm going to get my new baby skin back. Look at it. Look at it now. Because I'm going to see God with new skin. New alive. Go ahead. Say all you want to say about me and these boils and my suffering. And speculate all you want. I know this. With my eyes, with my new skin, with my body, I'm going to see my Redeemer. I'm going to see God and not another. And then he says this kind of at the end, and this is theologians get into this, my heart faints within me. But it's an exclamation point. He's saying it almost like with excitement, but it doesn't sound like excitement. My heart faints within me? That doesn't sound good. Why would you put an exclamation point after that? And so they read, you know, in Hebrew and break it down to really what it says. And it says all these, you know, like, uh, uh, you know, kind of like a, a fainting of my, in my bosom, a, a, a weakening in my kidneys. It's like, you know, this thing of like in the body, you know, like what's going on here? And what's the visual picture here? And we say, my heart faints. This is one of our better inter- interpretations. My heart faints within me. And this is literally meaning like what's happening in the bosom here. These rains. It's talking about my rains are consumed in my bosom. And like that doesn't make any sense to me. What does that mean? And it's, I think, the best besides my heart faints within me. What does that mean? It means... There's a longing there in your bosom, in your kidneys, in your bowels, and all you, all you are. My heart faints to see him. My heart faints to see this day. My heart longs to see him. There's nothing in this world that compares to the treasure that I have in Jesus. And Job is saying, because he's stripped of everything. And it's, maybe it's easier for him to see. Because he's stripped of family. He's stripped of friends. He's stripped of, of wife. He's stripped of all possessions, everything. He says, my heart faints within me when I say this. My heart longs to see him. I've had it here. There's nothing left here for me. I long for that day. I long for that time when my eyes behold him. My heart just faints within me. Everything else just faints. Everything else just fades. I long to see him. My heart faints within me. And I think sometimes that takes a long time in our life. And, but we get to those ages and things and see life and its difficulties and its hardships. And we begin to say, my heart faints within me. God, I want to be with you. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Kind of have enough. Maybe I just had some days of that. Maybe you have just had one or two days. And I praise God. Maybe those days are more, and you know, shorter in between where you're like, I long to see your day. My heart faints within me. I want to be with you. I want to see your restored kingdom. I want to behold you with my eyes. I want to see you standing on this earth over the dust and victory. tired of all that's going on here. So it's okay for your heart to faint within you. That's a good thing. And Job closes with, there is a judgment. He says that you may know there is a judgment in these last two verses. He's summing up, and that may not sound like good news, but judgment is good news. It is good news that everything is going to be made right. There is a judge in this earth and he will bring his just and righteous wrath. You know, it's wrath. It's his just and right wrath, not man's wrath, not man's anger, not man's confusion. He has a just and right judge who will bring justice to this earth and Job says, I know it. There is a judgment day and that's a good thing. It's a good thing that that we have a just God and nobody gets away with things. God's, in his justice, will be that judge. John 5, 25 through 29, Jesus speaking again, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those that will hear him will live. He's talking about us now. Like, if you're dead here, you're separated from God. There's a day, and it. it's now, right now. If you're dead, separated from God, that's what death means. Separated from God, that's death. If you're separated from God, you don't have a relationship with God. Now is the day. If you hear his voice, you can rise again and be restored to him. Come on, believers. Have you, have you risen again? <laughs> are, you, are you born again in this way? You were dead. You heard his word, and you hear, and you live now. You truly live. Come on. Come on, blind eyes that now can see the glory of who Jesus is. He said, you know, those that will hear will live, and that's now. But then he says, for as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. The Son gives life, like the Father gives life through the Son. And he says, and he has given him authority to execute judgment. He's given this authority to judgment to Jesus because he is the Son of Man. You know, you want to be represented by your peers, you know, other humans, and so God's like, "I'm going to give you another human to judge you." The Son of Man, my Son, Jesus, He will be the judge in the end. And then Jesus is leaping like these prophets do, way into the future, and He says, "Do not marvel at this, for an hour is still coming." Now, this that what He said there is 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 now. You can raise from the dead as a dead person separated from God. You can have life. But now he's going into the future, and he says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs. So he's talking about the dead dead, not just spiritually dead that can be reunited with God, but the dead dead that are in the tombs, and that's why he emphasizes that, dead in the tombs now, they will hear his voice. Oh, come on. There is a judgment, right? The dead in the tombs will hear his voice and come out of those tombs. This is everybody those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So the judgment is for those who have done evil, Who and the evil is unbelief. Evil is not trusting in Christ. It was, they don't know their Redeemer lives. They've rejected their Redeemer. But to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, and they will be into eternal life. They will be given eternal life and receive the rewards for their life. So the reason why you don't undergo judgment is because you've already undergone judgment. You've already come to the judge and said, I'm a sinner, I repent, and all of my sins are on... Jesus. He took them for me. He substitutionary, sacrificially died on that cross as an atoning sacrifice for me, and you judged my sins in him. And that judgment happens when you believe, when you repent and believe in the gospel. Judgment's carried out. So when you die and all are resurrected from the tombs, you've already faced judgment. God can't judge you again. In his son, his son, you stand before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the rewards that you've done in the body. But the message is, is that there is a judgment. And Jesus says here, and Job says, there is a judgment day. He'll settle this case, you and my friends here, that we're arguing one day. And he. there is a judgment. And those that know him, a judgment, uh, not a judgment, but he says, a resurrection of life for those who know me and those who have done evil to a resurrection of judgment. They will stand judgment. What would you do? Well, I... I was better than so-and-so. Oh, really? Well, you know, they, they can argue their case before a holy God. This is done through Jesus. Paul, in his sermon on Mars Hill in Acts 17, 30-31, says this same thing. He says, The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to Repent. Because he has fixed a day. This is the day. Job is saying there is a judgment day. This is what Paul is saying in in Acts 17.31 of the conclusion of his sermon on Mars Hill. He's saying because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. You guys know that man he's appointed? It's Jesus. He's appointed a man to judge the affairs of men. And this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. This is how you know it. And they all mocked. They, those uh, Ath- 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 Athenians, philosophers, they were all like, Ha! He's talking about people raising from the dead. Now we're out. But there were some that said, We want to talk to you some more about this. They wanted to know some more about the resurrection from the dead and about this man who everyone would stand before on a day, a fixed day in God's eternal kingdom where we're judged by a man, that he is appointed to judge every. Job concludes with there's a judgment day, and that's a good thing, when everything will be made right. I don't know how much you like um, you know, Lord of the Rings and those kinds of things. You don't have to to like these things uh, in it, because there's a lot of um, uh, sound Christian uh, doctrine actually in a lot of it, especially in the book. But um, there 's this scene where Sam is talking to Gandalf, the wise uh, wise man, and he says, "Is everything sad going to come untrue Sam wise Ganges is everything sad he 's asking Gandalf, going to come untrue, and Gandalf says, A great shadow has departed now they 've won this." this victory. And, and he laughs out loud, Gandalf. A great shadow has passed. Will everything sad becoming true? And he laughs and he laughs. And when Samwise hears him laughing, and they've been through this horrible battle of war, trying to destroy evil in the ring, when he hears that la- laughter of Gandalf, he says, the sound was like music or like water in a parched land. yes. He will make everything sad, untrue that 's our Lord standing victorious C. s. Lewis put it this way: Some mortals say of, of, of some temporal suffering, no future bliss can make up for this, not knowing that heaven once attained, will work backwards and turn everything that of agony in our lives into a glory.. Heaven will just reverse everything that was agony in our lives into a glory. Make everything sad in our lives untrue. No matter what about this is at some gut core level what Job saw. He saw that his Redeemer lived. He saw and he knew and he knew he would be victorious and stand over the dust of the earth. And he knew that there was a judgment day in which God would make everything sad become untrue. He would redeem it all. Amen. This is the God we celebrate. This is the Redeemer. Our kinsman Redeemer was our brother Jesus. My big brother Jesus, your big brother Jesus, he's your kinsman Redeemer. He's the one that said, I'm going to unite with you. I'm going to unite with humanity. I'm going to unite with you, brothers and sisters, and I'm going to become one of you, and you're going to be my kin, and I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to make you my family, my brother, and I'm going to bring you into being A son and daughter of God, a child of God. We're going to be kin. Kin. Kinship redeemer. Amen? And I'm going to do it through a marvelous way the cross. Through my death, Jesus the Redeemer saying, I'm going to redeem you so you don't have to die. You believe in Him, Jesus said, you will never die. That's, that's mind-blowing because we, we die in this body, but we're never separated from God. It's like rifle prayed The moment of our last breath, our eyes close here, our eyes are awakened, Corinthians says, to beholding him. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Poof, like that. Never truly dead because he died for you. And this is what we celebrate in communion, the death and resurrection of Jesus. We remember his death until he comes again amen the night that Jesus was betrayed he took the bread and he gave thanks to God for it and he said this is my body given for you take and eat of it let's partake together thank you for this family meal we have together father And it's immersed in your son. This meal is all about your son. It's all about his body broken and given for us. And we thank you for the body that you prepared for your very self to absorb in himself all of our sin. He who was righteous and perfect. Our sin was placed upon. And death, he died. He died, and as a righteous person, he he had no sin on his own. So he defeated death. Death didn't have a right to hold him because he himself had committed no sin just took on other sin and he rose victorious with the keys of death we thank you for the victorious Jesus his body his bodily resurrection his glorious bodily resurrection he's alive in that glorified body as a man seated at your right hand right now making intercession for us advocating for us his brothers and sisters thank you father In the same way, he took the cup, said this is the blood of the new covenant given for you for the remission of sins. Take and drink of it. And when you do, do this in remembrance of me. We remember you, Jesus. Let's partake of the cup together. Thank you for the power, powerful cleansing of your blood that can wash us clean, though our sins be as scarlet, be made white as snow, that your Holy Spirit, who is holy, can indwell this body. Through the powerful cleansing of the blood of Jesus, you have sanctified and made us. Holy, that you can inhabit us, dwell in us, empower us. I pray over this people. They're empowered through the body and the blood of Jesus to accomplish all that you have before them in their struggle, and their fight in this world, God. Fill them today with the hope of the resurrection and the ultimate victory of Jesus. We ask in Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Let's sing together.